And here we go. Happy uh, Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. I can tell you what happened in New York. Everybody came out of hiding, and I could not believe what I saw. It is. It was like a chain state in you know from one, you know from one week to the next. I mean, it's that dramatic. Uh, and we've got now all the. We got a lot of rebellion going on around the country. We're gonna we're gonna tell you what's happening, where it's happening, why it's happening, and what it means ultimately. Uh, for the country, the economy, the election in 183 days and everything and anything in between, um, because people are serious now about reopening. Uh, one thing in New York, if we're going to start with the medical side of it, their numbers in New York, especially New York City, continue to improve. And that is the latest numbers that they had. There's a lot of questions now being raised as to the accuracy of the you know, the reasons why people have died, have they been tested for COVID-19, etc. One thing that is also around in the New York area, and I'm sure making its way around the country, but again, this was kind of ground zero for the, this this thing, is the antibody test. I took it on Friday. I have no antibodies and uh, and got the test results back. I don't have any COVID-19 either. Uh, because it's now readily available. I, I went and wanted to check and see if there was any weight. There was no weight. There was n- maybe three minutes, four minutes tops. You go in, you walk in, they draw a vial of blood, you get your result. It was that simple. It was that easy. And it, you, I went to like a dock in the box place. You ever go to those places, Linda, the dock in the box? And so um, that is going to help people. I know that in Germany, they're talking about COVID-19 positive or antibody cards. I'm not sure I, I, I'm willing to go that far. Uh, it's like, okay, I, but next thing that's going to happen, if they have those, then you're going to have those cheating and, and they're going to manufacture them and there's going to be fraud out there. So I'm not sure if that's the real answer. Um, I have sources now, and I've been talking to a lot in the medical community and these manufacturers. We, we have been back-channeling with a lot of the people involved in testing remdesivir, hydroxychloroquine, the hospitals that use it, the doctors on the front line. And we've gotten a lot of anecdotal. People say, where's the drive-up testing in Walmart? Okay, that was only 20 iterations ago. You got to keep up. Uh, The home tests are also online. And I was told probably within 60 days, anybody, any place, anywhere that wants a test, antibody or a test for COVID-19, you're going to get it. Um, that, that, now, why is that important? Because that then opens up the door to allow people to reopen whatever their business is, wherever their business is more safely. Um, and for those that say, well, it's taking too long. You, you have no idea. You expect to snap your fingers. I want a hundred thousand ventilators snap. No, it doesn't work like that. They're complicated pieces of machinery for testing. You need the agents. They're often not readily available, for the sequencing, we've never done it faster. We've never had a bigger mobilization ever. But all of these things are going to help with the ultimate goal, which is, and you can see the impatience of the American people rising here, and that is they want the country opened up. And I would argue I want everybody to be safe as you're doing it. And for the interim, and it's only temporary, that means especially states, a lot of hot spots that you're, you're going to have to follow some of the rules Look, I'm not I'm not going to not listen to the mask order because I don't need to be told by a politician in New York with the number of cases that were positive COVID-19, the struggles of the most vulnerable population. This is why Rick uh, uh, Ron DeSantis got it right in Florida.
He went in and he targeted the elderly, most vulnerable population in Florida. That's why his numbers are drastically and dramatically better, especially with a high percentage of the population in Florida being the elderly that go down there for retirement. But he, he, they got into the villages and coordinated with the villages early and all these other retirement home facility areas throughout Florida for the elderly. And nursing homes was a part of that. The opposite of what they did in New York. I won't I won't go down that path again today. But anyway, so New York state Corona deaths as of today are now 70 down 70 percent from the April high. I mean, there were days here I'm coming in and I'm looking at these numbers every day. and I'm like. This has got to stop. You know, we kept talking about believing an apex and then a leveling and then the dramatic drop off. Well, we've gotten to that part finally, and it took longer than anybody thought. I think what New York is going through is very and it's funny because if you look at polls in New York, you know, people still have no idea what really happened. Because if they did and if they understood the timeline of New York politicians and how they didn't listen to their own task force and how they had literally prepared nothing and then executive orders that mandated nursing homes to take COVID-19 patients. And even though nursing home elderly care facilities were screaming, we're not prepared to take them in. And that's where the largest number of deaths occurred. Uh, you would think that maybe there would be a political price to pay, but I guess most people don't pay attention to any of that. Uh, or the fact that Donald Trump won't get credit for all he did because every ventilator, every COVID-19 bed, every hospital bed, four plus, well, probably closer to like 10,000 beds that he built throughout the New York area. But anyway, they, they only used 182 of the thousand uh, beds at, at the Comfort. The, I mean, that kind of shocked me. It shocked a lot of people, too. And those were all manned by, this is the USNS Comfort, the Navy hospital ship. They only used, treated 182 patients there. Of the 3,000-bed facility at the Javits Center, they only treated a little over 1,000 patients. They had, they had built it for 3,000 patients, which then brings up the whole issue of why did you send in New York all the elderly people to nursing homes and, and long-term care facilities when they were telling you they didn't have the ability to deal with it you know, do I think they did it on purpose? No, I think they were dumb. I think they just didn't, they weren't listening. But what, what we're learning, though, is the right way, which was done down in Florida. And by the way, it's odd because the guy that gets the lowest scores or the least bump, if you will, from a political polling standpoint, not that we should be doing that, uh, but it would be DeSantis. And I think it has everything to do with the spring break video people saw at the time they got mad but that's not the vulnerable population. That part we do know now. Oz was very clear last week, Dr. Oz, on the program about it. Uh, at least five studies showing that the coronavirus fatality rate is under 1%. Uh, coronavirus, you know, we might get as high as 100,000 or somewhere around there. Is, and those numbers, remember, they had changed and they shifted and, and were altered dramatically. We, you know, at one point... Had we done nothing, it would have been 2.2 million. I, I think that's a fair statement. And if we factored in that we didn't put the travel ban in effect and the quarantine in effect and the subsequent travel bans, it could have been it could have been even worse than that, if you can imagine it. But, yeah, it could have been that that bad. You know, some people I think that I, I, I don't think people fully realize if you're not from an area that was ground zero here, this was bad. Highly contagious, you know, which, you know, one of the things I had picked up on in late January and early February, 
And I asked Dr. Fauci, he was on January 27th and February 10th, very early. First known case, January 21st. Six days later, I had him on TV. And I kept asking about asymptomatic people shedding this virus. That scared me. More importantly, it was the makeup of the virus that was showing signs that this could be a really bad, bad virus. We've had pandemics before. Uh, It turned out to be, and there were times where there was some fluctuation in the thinking of the medical community, that this did attack the older older folks, like H1N1 would tend to go after younger people. This was after older people. They were more vulnerable. People with underlying conditions and compromised immune systems. That, that That did bear out eventually. And so... But it took a while to know for sure. Um, Oh, a couple of other updates. We've got Peter Strzok evidence. He made major edits to Flynn's FBI 302 witness statement. Major. That would be fraud. That would be, yeah, they set him up. More evidence of it. Uh, Sidney Powell also has now filed with the judge in that case. We're going to have a lot of updates on that. Dr. Oz also will be joining us. Uh, George Simona Papadopoulos, now that we have evidence about them, uh, exculpatory evidence was held there. That we'll get to as well. Um, Look, you you got a lot of fights beginning to break out. Um, We have a judge. Well, we have in in Chicago, their governor, this guy Pritzker, stay at home order. And now a judge weighing in on this. And acknowledging, for example, a federal judge upholding the stay-at-home order, denying a restraining order sought by a Northwest Illinois church. And I understand people's desire to get back to church. Look, my admonition, having been closer to this maybe than some other people, is forget about those of us that are younger and healthier. I just happen to be in the best shape of my life. And I'm not afraid of this virus or any virus, and I kind of have a philosophical view, but... We're learning a lot of things here. I think handshaking is probably, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of awkward now. And I think the elbowing will probably replace it. Of course, I do it with mixed martial arts. You know, if for a period of a short interim, you know, we'll have to tell vulnerable people to stay out of stadiums and restaurants, probably. But I think that's probably it. I think that what I'm seeing, the creativity of restaurant owners and salon owners, for example, and the plexiglass, everybody in a mask. You, you know, there's, there, there are things we're going to learn very quickly what's working and not working here. For myself, I'm willing to take an extra step as much of a pain as it might be that I would not want to affect an elderly person that might be vulnerable and succumb to this thing. So I'm willing to do it. Nobody has to, you know, no law is making me do that. I'm doing it because I think it's just the right thing to do. Now, we watched all weekend long, didn't we? What did we see? You know, we, we saw people that have made determinations. The American people have watched all of this, and they have, they've now come to conclusions in their own minds, right or wrong, and their conclusion is that they have now decided what is an acceptable level of risk that they're going to take. I, that's my interpretation of it. Now, if we can get people to maybe help in the sense that you do everything you can do to avoid the predictable rebounds that will pop up, the hot spots that'll pop up. But now we've got the ventilators. Now we're, we're literally, you know, stocking up on respirators, gloves, masks, shields, if there is a need. Now we're moving forward with uh, medications like remdesivir. 
if we do this the right way, we're, we're going to all be better off. We're going to have the worst quarter two numbers we've ever seen. That's predictable. All right, the second quarter is April, May, June. I would assume by July, August, September, you're going to see a dramatic third quarter. You know, it won't be a complete recovery, but it'll be a good recovery. And then by the end of the fourth quarter, hopefully this thing behind us, you know, we're ready to get back full force and watch the American people open up, do what they do best. Um, I understand this this natural distrust of the government. There are people that are furious that that all of this has happened and a lot of it being unnecessary. Well, some of it, yeah, an abundance of caution. I could tell you if we didn't do the travel ban quarantine, subsequent travel bans, and if the president didn't come in with the medical mobilization efforts that he did, the death rate, it would be incalculably higher, dramatically higher. And then we'd be looking at a whole other set of circumstances for the country. Now, now we're going to deal with the problem created as we, we have a problem, the cure. We're going to deal with what we did to deal with the problem, but the cure can't be worse, and that's where we kind of find ourselves. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show. By the way, former uh, New York Governor Pataki is calling for an investigation into uh, Andrew Cuomo's nursing home scandal, uh, calling this mandate, this executive order, incomprehensible and a disgrace. And uh, Pataki's kind of a quiet guy, and he said thousands of people people's lives uh, might not have been lost except for these tragic policies the handling of the New York governor has been a disaster, said Pataki. And now this guy was governor from 95 to 2006. Everybody knew the most vulnerable population were senior citizens. Why they were putting COVID-19 positive patients back in place was unbelievable. Um, now we've got what we're seeing around the country. We have hundreds of voters in Florida all joining together Sunday to show their support for the president. He had a parade of small you know, boats beginning in Jupiter, Florida, traveling the intercoastal with participants waving Trump signs and flags, playing patriotic music, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have the Orange County Sheriff. He was not about to yield to the governor out in California. And you have protests all over the country. So that and by the way, we're not talking about I know we saw images of people at the State House in Michigan. And by the way, for whoever those people are with their AR-15s, in full military gear, showing up at the state house. Uh, stop! There's no bigger Second Amendment guy than me. I own a lot of these weapons to the extent legal in New York. I've carried a weapon and I had a, a permit to carry a, a firearm my whole adult life. New York, Rhode Island, California, Alabama, Georgia. I've done it my whole life. But you are putting police officers and a crowd like that on edge. And for you to just show up with that kind of firepower, have your protest. You don't need to do that. You're not. If something happens, then all of us law-abiding gun owners, we're going to get blamed because of your stupidity. You don't need that kind of show of force. There's no reason for it at all. Protest. Protest away. I believe in your First and Second Amendment rights. Don't ruin everybody else's because something happens because you're being stupid. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, Mother's Day is Sunday. So I have, uh, I've been working on this book of mine for almost a year. And it was supposed to be coming out soon. And the name of the book, and you can look at Hannity.com, it's called Live Free or Die. 
America and the world on the brink. And I had had some disagreement with the publisher. I was going to say live free or America dies. And so we kind of compromised and I put it in Latin. Live free or America dies. We are 183 days away from the biggest tipping point election moment in the history of this country. We actually put on the back cover, you know, as Reagan once said, freedom is but one generation, well, but one generation away from extinction here. I, I didn't, haven't written a book in 10 years. I decided I want to write this book because this everything that has that makes this country great to me is now hanging in the balance. Freedom, individualism, capitalism, self-sufficiency. I always talk about Barry Farber, no country accumulating more power, abusing it less than this great country. No power accumulating, no country accumulating more power and using it to advance the human condition than this country. That's hanging in the balance. You know, now we've had these hiccups where radical leftist socialist, you know, these movements, you know, have we've gone through these hiccups. It never goes well. If we get to the point in 183 days and we turn back from these great principles and succumb to radicalism, socialism, statism, redistributionism of the left, I don't know that I, I don't think we ever recover. I was going to say, I don't know how we rec- I don't see it because once you put power in the hands of statist redistributionists like this, you, it's sort of like Obamacare. We still have Obamacare. It didn't work out well. Millions lost their doctors. Millions lost their plans. And everybody's paying around 200 percent more for a lot less. And, you know, what do we what, what's in state? What's at stake here? Well, I don't think any Democrat would have put the travel ban in effect or put a quarantine in effect or subsequent travel bans in effect. I don't think any other uh, Democrat would have built the wall at the walls being built by October, by November. By the time we go to the election, we expect four to five hundred miles of wall built on the southern border after the president had to fight every way in Sunday to get the money. I don't think any Democrat would do that either. Everything the president promised, originalist on, on the in terms of justices, here, here are the names I'm going to pick from, and a, an originalist philosophy, judicial philosophy, a belief in the Constitution and the rule of law. This is all at stake here. A foreign policy of appeasement? You know, let's bribe mullahs in Iran. Let's bribe uh, Kim Jong-un's father. Glad to see he's alive. I've gotten wind from sources of mine that that, in fact, was going to be the case. Anyway, so live free or die. This is what's at stake because there, there's no more, or there are no more moderates in the Democratic Party. They're gone. Joe Biden embraces full-blown socialism. Joe Biden embraces the new Green Deal. That is the social economic dysfunction. It will be a cancer to capitalism and it will be fatal. That's how dire I believe this moment is. And so I, I, I took starting pen to paper, actually, and I started this put together chapter, chapter after chapter, what I wanted this to be about, because it's going to be the, the policies of appeasement. It's going to be socialized medicine. It's going to be the new Green Deal. No more oil or gas or cows or planes. 
It's going to be open borders. It's going to be even, you know, radical, even late, not only late term abortion, but now it's going to be, you know, we'll let the, the mother will deliver the baby and then we'll make the baby comfortable and then the mother will decide. You have a discussion with the doctor. Okay, I never heard of that. That's called infanticide. But nobody seemed to get upset when eight states were pushing for that and that idiot Virginia governor was pushing that line. And this is what's at stake here. It's about, you know, look at what they want to do. They want to pack the court. They want to end free speech. They want to attack conservatives, abuse power, and, and as corrupt as we watch the deep state. They can't be rewarded for this. This president created the best economic conditions this country has seen in generations. Record low unemployment. I mean, we, uh, our job numbers, record low unemployment, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. And we're going to get back to it. We had a national emergency pandemic. That's the road back. Freedom is a generation away from extinction. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. And that's what this is about. And, we're, and I'm updating this thing. I spent most of the weekend just writing and writing and writing and trying to get this out. But anyway... So with Mother's Day, I figured, all right, I really wanted to get this out earlier. I'm not able to do it. We came up with a beautiful bound. We built, I, I actually work with a friend of mine, and we built this bound, uh, bound edition for the book with an incredible uh, promised first edition run. And if you go on Hannity.com now, you can, you'll get a gift certificate to present to your mother on Mother's Day. And I hope she lets all her friends read it. And if you have any liberal friends, don't buy them a book. Let them read it because the country's at stake. So anyway, I thought it'd be a good, good, good gift for Mother's Day. We can get it to mom uh, for delivery on Mother's Day, wherever you want to send it. And the only place you can get it is on Hannity.com. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say. I never worked so hard. I never wanted to do another book. It's 10 years. Linda, how many times did I tell people no? Oh, my God. So many. And then what you, Linda was there the moment I said, oh, nobody else is going to do it this way. Right. Yeah. And I was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. And I said, decision. no. Well, yeah. But just to just I'm to, very proud of it. You've been one of the few people that have seen some of it. It's amazing. Um, the cover looks amazing. And just, you know, everybody out there, you know, one of the cool things about this is that you can buy it online. You get something to print out right away. You can fill cool. it out. You customize it for your mother. And then you're able to present her with this gift certificate. It's really pretty. And you're able to give this to her. It's a commemorative hardcover first edition boxed set. It's just beautiful. It's really nice. And, you know, it's something you can buy online right now since we can't really go anywhere. I'll tell you this. I'm you proud get of a right few away. things we've done. I'm, I've never. This is it for me. The reelection of this guy as president. They have tried to destroy him. They lie every day about him. They can't say a single good thing about him. And no president would have been able to to rise to this challenge of, okay, 10 days, first case. Yeah, we're closing down travel. And and what was he called? The racist, xenophobe, hysterical, fear mongerer. Two months, three days after Joe Biden says, maybe that was a good idea. A little late, Joe. Joe's struggling, too. And then every decision that he look how hard he had to work to get the money for the wall. He gets nothing but slander, smear, besmirchment, attack, character assassination, and conspiracy theories by the mob. The longest chapter so far in this book 
is Donald Trump's promises made and kept and accomplishments. What politician actually keeps their word these days? Now this whole thing is throwing the election up in the air. Well, it's really the whole country is hanging in the balance is how I look at it. Anyway, if you're thinking about something, I hope you'll consider that. Um, that's one of, I'm more proud of this. I never thought I could do it again. I really didn't. It's too hard. But I, this, is, this is our moment. You, you, you've got to understand that everything's, the game is on the line. And as far as I'm concerned, you always play from now till Election Day in 183 days. You've got to play like you're a touchdown down. Well, you're six points down. You need, you need to get the ball across the plane. And you got to kick the extra point to win. You know, it's not easy to win Florida, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, right? And you got to get Pennsylvania. Then you got to get Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, somebody. Pay attention to New Hampshire. Got to pay attention to the second district in Maine. You got to pay attention to New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona. And then you just, then you have to hold all your states. It's not easy. And there's going to be nothing but slander. Because that's all we've gotten all these, this time anyway. All right, let me go back to the reopening issue here. Um, so you have all these boaters out boating in a parade of boats uh, in Florida this weekend. I'm watching county by county. We see all over Texas, all over Arizona, all over California, in New York, for example, uh, in Illinois. I mean, there, there are like showdowns now emerging over the people's desire to open the country. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this out of love for my audience. Um, forget about everybody's going to make their own decision based on how you feel the, the acceptable level of risk. That's unique. You know, I have friends of mine that love skydiving. I think they're nuts. I have no desire to jump out of an airplane. I just no desire. I have friends of mine that will fly these rickety old planes because they had their dream their whole life. They wanted to fly this thing. I wouldn't get in some of these planes for millions of dollars, but they're following their dream. That's an acceptable level of risk. The American people have watched, and they are deciding on their own what their comfort level is. But I would say this, having been here in the middle of all of this, and I'm going to have a friend of mine on the program later this week who got COVID-19. And I want him to explain it to you. He's probably 24 to 36 hours away from intubation. Said his goodbyes to his family. And it's a healthy, you know, he's a little older, but generally a healthy guy. He plays sports. He plays tennis. He goes bike riding. He does it all. Active guy. He's in his 60s. And how he feels he barely got out. Said goodbye to his family. I mean, imagine that. And I just want you to know and have this in your head. Because whatever, whatever minor changes or inconveniences we have here, um, they're only going to be temporary. I don't mind going to a baseball game and wearing a mask. That's my line. I'd rather go. That's my acceptable level of risk. I don't like what I'm seeing. You got taser-wielding cop uh, punching a, a bystander during a social distancing bust in New York. You saw the Orange County Sheriff saying, I'm not enforcing Gavin Newsom's laws. Understandably, by the way, Florida beaches were open. The, some of the best handling of this happened down in Florida. And, the, and walking the beaches with a distance and a mask if you're not six feet away from people, it's not that hard to do. But I understand why people feel the way they do. 
because the numbers have been wrong the whole time. We've all been lied to, starting with China lying to the world. How are these numbers so bad? We better figure that part out at some point. You know, it's 2.2 million, 2.5 million. Now, if we do this, it's 500,000, then it's 185,000. You know, nobody knew. And these numbers were wrong. Um, anyway, so you got a lot happening here. I write a piece that is very hard hitting, but we should read. And that is that, you know, we wrecked our economy for nothing. I don't believe that, by the way. I do believe if we'd not taken these mitigation efforts, we would have had hundreds and hundreds of thousands more Americans die. The president didn't act as fairly, uh, fast as he did. It's incalculable. That, that one decision saved more lives. That travel ban after the first case of corona, only 10 days after that, unbelievable. Great instincts of the president. I don't know where he gets it from. Uh, now we got neighbors turning against neighbors. There was a Jefferson County 911 dispatcher discovering the message under a vehicle windshield wiper. Please stay home. I've noticed a few days a week you leave your home with your baby and return a short time later without it. Then I see a man of the house arrive with the baby later in the afternoon. This leads me to believe that that kid is in daycare. Okay, really? We're going to turn on each other as a country? That's not a good idea. Maine is retaliating against a restaurant owner who reopened despite the state lockdown. All right, do we really have to arrest restaurant owners? They're dying. Let's, let's work with people so they can do it safely. Then I guess if they, at some point, what they're doing is dangerous, I guess you have to step in. But California County, Orange County is defying, well, there's a rural county, Mata County, County in California. A bar owner said she won't stop patrons from pulling their stools together because they're adults. You know, I like some of the ingenuity of, of what they're doing to open salons for manicures and pedicures. I want to know that they work. I like the masks on. I like the distance. I like the plexiglass. Uh, we've been talking a lot with Dr. Oz about that, but I would say for the sake of others, you know, wear the stupid mask for a little while. It's going to be a short term. You have 900 Missouri residents snitching on lockdown rule breakers. Okay, really? You need a life. If you're looking at your neighbor, go live your own life. Um, New Jersey on alert for some actions, and we're watching what's going on there. Oklahoma City ended their face mask rule for customers. Um, the Democrats are doing what they always do. The Michigan governor turned out to be absolutely worse, the worst, uh, along with New York. You got the Democrats totally, you know, oh, we're going to shut everything down for 18 months. No, we can't shut the country down for 18 months. Open it, open it as fast as you can, but as safely as you can. That's what, that's the answer. We learn from Florida. We're learning from South Dakota. We've learned from these other states. I have the Mississippi governor on. He never shut down either. These, you know, Mike Rowe rightly saying, hey, there's no such thing as a non-essential worker. New York was dead, but for the rest of the country working and the guys that were working in the grocery stores, you know, packing the shelves all day and night with people there. I think there's a way to do it. All right. Glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It was like a cloud lifted in New York, and in spite of threats by the mayor and others uh, and confrontations in some cases, you have one instance where you had a taser-wielding cop in New York, you know, literally in a conflict with a bystander during a social distancing bust. Um, you saw more people in New York out on the streets. You saw the beaches. People were walking them. 
And my advice to everybody, and I think what's happening here is, and this is happening in Arizona, and it's happening in Michigan, and it's happening in California, and it's happening all across the country. I think the best lesson we learned probably was from the state of Florida. What did we learn from Ron DeSantis? Target the elderly, the most vulnerable health-wise, those with underlying conditions, those with uh, compromised immune systems. By doing that, he probably did the best job of any governor in the country in terms of elderly population and the percentage that contracted the disease, hospitalizations, intubations, and ultimately those that gave their li- lost their lives with this. Um, we can learn lessons as we now try to reopen the country safely, which is why we always bring back our friend Dr. Oz. He's watching all of this unfold as well. Uh, Dr. Oz, good to talk to you. You saw what happened this weekend. Uh, I saw that that Dr. Burks is concerned about the big crowds not wearing masks. She used the words devastatingly worrisome. I, I don't disagree with her. I, I don't want people to take this too casually, but I want life to go on, but safely. I don't know why people would taunt this system. You know, it's been painful to go through what our nation uh, managed to, uh, to survive over the last six, seven weeks. And going back to, if we if we had known in, on March the fifteenth what we know now what would we have changed? It'd been five days before most of the country began shutting down, and for sure one of the things I would have done was tell everyone riding a subway in a park in any crowded environment put a mask on. How much of a difference it makes we don't know. Is it twenty five percent? Is it seventy five percent? Will that with social distancing reduce it more? It's impossible to tell in real life circumstances, but it's a heck of a lot better than nothing. And it's just a shame because. I've seen the hospitals and how devastating it can be when we miscalculate. And it won't be those folks parting up that who I, I completely understand why they want to vent. They won't be the ones in the hospital beds. You know, and that 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 is exactly the reason that I said, because it's temporary. Um, I, I know people, you know people, I've asked you to call people for me that are dealing with this. And I, I literally think without your intervention, a couple of people I know's lives would not have, they wouldn't be alive today. And by the way, we're probably going to have one of them on the show later this week with you to tell the story because, and this is a healthy individual, very active in, in their 60s, a friend of mine, and he was probably 24, 36 hours away from intubation. Uh, is that a fair assessment on my part, doctor? Yeah. yeah all right. And, well, his, his physician, so we connected with, were as worried as you are. <laughs> so that's a yeah, bad sign. And, and at that moment in that hospital, they had you know, more intubations than they'd ever had, which was like three dozen or something around there, two dozen or three dozen. Um, So I'm watching people and look, part of a doctor, tell me if I'm wrong, is every doctor I know is a little bit of a psychologist also. And my doctor friends hate, they'll always say, do you want to listen to me or do you want to listen to Dr. Google? Because they think I'm, I think I know everything because I Google everything before I ask the questions and I'm not always right. Anyway, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that the country has watched all of this. They see that the vulnerable population is the elderly, underlying conditions, compromised immune systems, and they've made an educated, I'm not saying it's not educated, decision, what is the comfortable level of risk for them? That is my overall assessment. Your thoughts? You're right. And part of the reason they're making that assessment is because public health officials, 
folks in the media, doctors are all saying what they really think is the truth, which is some groups are more at risk than others. Uh, if you do these 10 things in the right order at the right time, you'll probably do well, but we're not sure. All those things you're supposed to say, as opposed to what we said in the very beginning, which is stay the heck out of Dodge, go in your house, shelter, you, you know, you could die. And I, people have told me in private, they said, listen, we were very black and white, cut and dry on this in the beginning because we wanted people to listen. And we purposely told them things that would scare them so they would pay attention. Now, if we're going to let everyone understand the subtleties of what's important and not, you have to trust people to act on that. If you interpret the recommendations as, oh, sloppy, who really cares, it doesn't matter, it'll be fine anyway, that's a big error. Because there's a huge difference between telling someone to put a mask on and not. It may not seem like a big deal. But especially with the better masks, that could dramatically change the chance of you passing it to somebody else. Well, you've got a virus that, that you, the average person will pass to three people that day, and instead you pass it to just one person. That's a gargantuan, do the math, gargantuan difference. Yeah. Now, what do you make of what you saw the scenes, you saw Central Park, you saw beaches around the country, you saw the protests, you saw the boats out there. What is your assessment of what? of how people are dealing with this. The reason I'm telling people I'll wear a mask is not for me, Dr. Oz. I, you know more about my health than anybody because I sent you my blood work, um, just because I always like to get 100 opinions. And But the, re, but the reality is I don't, I, I'm not at that high-risk area for this, but I don't want to infect anybody you know, else either. I don't have the antibodies. Athlete. I took the test. I, I, was, I, I never got this thing. But you, never, you never got infected. You're, you're lucky. Um, but let's just talk about the, the average person. You know, I, I, I grew up playing sports. I played football in college. I, I would never, ever tell a teammate or myself, go to the 58th minute and then take it easy for the last two minutes. I just would never, it's just not, like, not who I am. And I don't think most Americans are like that either. Guys, we could be on the five-yard line, 15-yard line. I have no idea how close we are to the finish line, but we're a lot closer than we were six, seven weeks ago. Why would you take a, you know, a, a, a relaxing jaunt towards the end zone? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for us right now to mess this up. And the bigger concern I have is the states which have taken the bold action of opening up a beach or letting people congregate, assuming that people will be smart when they do that. If they get hurt with COVID-19 cases, they will shut the states down again. And I, every business owner I've spoken to, and I'm sure you've spoken to more than me, said that the first time was tough, the second time is catastrophic. They cannot afford to close down again. It will decimate uh, our economy. So it's almost a patriotic duty at this point, besides a humanitarian gesture, to be super cautious to make sure you're not a vector, even if you have very little chance of getting to a hospital or being intubated or having a bad outcome. So I'm looking at things for, from my perspective, and I'm, again, everyone has their own thoughts on it. And I'm looking, you're seeing a cross-section of America here. I mean, all right, I, I didn't like the guys with their, you know, tactical gear and their long rifles out, uh, I, you know, leave. I'm a, I'm a big Second Amendment guy and a big First Amendment guy. Le you don't ratchet up a situation like this by bringing and showing military force when you want to protest. Protest, do it peacefully. Think of the police. They've, they've got to handle this. You know, put your, put your thoughts with them for a few minutes. So, but people protesting, I'm looking across the country, these are moms and dads, uh, sons and daughters, grandmas and grandpas here, putting aside the Michigan people. 
Well, it, 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 you make all the right points. And the other concern I have is that the, the goal here is not to, to win a legislative argument at the state capitol. The goal here is to open the state and have the people in the state believe that it's the right thing to do so they show up. Otherwise, you've got an open state and no one's there. So to, actually, tomorrow on the show, I've got uh, Mark McClellan on, who was the past uh, FDA um, uh, secretary under, under Bush, you know, very smart guy. I went through detailed it walked me through exactly what it's going to look like. The workplace, for example. Is, I mean, should we be investing in plexiglass? Is it going to be uh, with uh, people working remotely? Or well, a, a, answer your own questions. I, I'd love your answers to all those questions. Yes, we're going to need plexiglass. More importantly, we're going to change how meetings look. Instead of closed conference rooms with poor ventilation, it's going to, have to be all open, less people. It's just not worth the business risk of having your top folks all in one spot, because if one person goes down, then you're all going to get quarantined. With restaurants, we, we can get well-ventilated restaurants. I'm actually confident that we're going to develop new technologies. I was just reading over the weekend some of these ultra-violet uh, lights that are very narrow spectrums. So they're not dangerous for humans, but they would kill virus. We'll see some of those. The ventilation now you're gonna, now we're going to get into, oh, how dare Dr. Oz say this? It's a conspiracy theory that explain what you mean because people are just you can't even have a discussion would that work would this work even one out of curiosity um without being bludgeoned there are very bright scientists who've been working for years on aerosolized viruses how do you kill a virus in the air that's the most devastating kind now we happen to have one so there's a guy columbia uh, who's been working on this for a couple of years. I just read a paper. I haven't called him, I haven't talked to him, but I read a paper that he wrote arguing that ultraviolet lights are dangerous to the skin and to our eyes. You can't just, you know, that's why we tell people to put sunblock on. But are there ways of taking just a few uh, bits of wavelength of it and sharing and using that to kill the virus without hurting people? Is there a way of using that only within the air conditioning unit, for example, so it never sees a person but at least kills the virus in there? These are innovative ideas. I have no idea if they're going to work. But I'm of the belief that we were going to we're going to have to develop additional ideas besides some of the the blocking and tackling and keeping people away from each other, which is the most important right now. Uh, but McClellan and I agree with him was making uh, arguments about the fact that you can open restaurants as long as they're well ventilated, outdoor seating. All these things dramatically change the chance of having an infection. It doesn't reduce it to zero. But it would make it much easier for people to trust that the restaurant is thinking about thinking of their best interest as well. Same thing for retail and grocery stores. Well, I mean, they're gonna, they are going to look different. We're going to for sure have people make appointments for some, like, like in a mall, right? You're not going to just walk in there and you know, window shop like you used to. It's going to be a bit different, but you'll be able to go shopping. And, some, and much more frequent cleaning of retail stores, et cetera. All that's going to be important both to keep us safe, but also so you see that it's safe, so you trust it and go in there. And then your favorite question about sporting arenas. I was talking to a, a, a gentleman who's in the theater business today, um, and he said, listen, one of the problems is, yes, we could, we could only have people see, sit every three seats. Our concern is we really can't make money doing that. So if the purpose is to keep people knowledgeable or comfortable with the fact that a movie theater exists, do it. But you really, that's not a long-term business that's going to be viable. You're going to have to yeah. ultimately allow people to come in and feel safe about it. And you're going to want technologies that are safe, don't hurt people, but do hurt the virus to be part of that solution. I mentioned that I did go Friday and I got the um, antibody test. And, I, and first, if, if there was any kind of line, I was not going to go in. I didn't, I've told you I didn't go anywhere earlier because I didn't want to take a test away from somebody that really needed it. But I went to a dock in the box and, you know, there was no line. Like I waited three minutes outside. Then they brought me in. You know, you, you, 
wireless, you fill out an application, you sit down, they draw your blood, you walk home, you go online, get the results. Two things that I've been able to put together by talking to manufacturers uh, of the testing, of of the numerous iterations of testing, and government people, they're convinced in 60 days everybody can, that wants a test can have one. Pretty, pretty close to 60 days. Between that and how these models have been so inaccurate, how far does that go towards our ultimate goal, which is to open the country fully and safely? Well, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the antibody tests. I, I like them for the right people. Folks are touching the lives of a lot of others, healthcare workers, et cetera. My, part of my problem has been, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the, the FDA now is demanding that, that antibody makers within 10 days report their accuracy. They, they validate that you're really as good as you say you are. There's some great companies making antibody tests, but there are 160 companies out there. Not all of them are as legitimate as the big guys who are in the space, and some of them need to be whittled out. And that's creating issues because if you're trying to make an argument that 3% of the population has antibodies and the accuracy of the test is within 3%, that means you're anywhere between 0 and 6% accurate. Well, you know, that's not very good. The second issue I've got is we don't really know what it means if you have antibodies. Does that mean that you can't get the virus again? Does it mean that a high dose would give it to you again if you got suddenly exposed because someone coughed in your face? Does it mean that it will wear off in a month or two and so it won't, be, won't matter? So we don't want to give people false confidence that just because they have antibodies in their blood, they don't need to social distance, wear their mask, and everything else. And so that's why I'm not 100 you know, I'm not, I'm not pushing anyone. I personally have not gotten tested. I've now let my kid get tested for the reason that you gave. I didn't want to take the test away, but I think we have enough now. But, but I actually don't want them to feel false confidence if they have tested positive. Uh, and that, that's a, no, that's all good advice. For, yeah, for most yeah. of America, not to consider. Plus, I want to wait 10 days to see which of the tests are filtered out by the government. You know, they opened up the doors to let yeah. everyone get tested. But nowadays, we don't, it's not an urgency anymore. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program in our ongoing investigation into the deep state, the biggest abuse of power, corruption scandal on the face of this earth ever to happen in modern political history. Um, We have a lot of updates. Number one, Epic Times uh, broke this story where I saw it first. I don't know if they broke it. My biggest fears in all of this has been the whole FBI Russia hoax scandal is that the DOJ and maybe people like Director Ray, they're not particularly keen on getting to the bottom of it. And I've not seen the urgency I would like to see out of our FBI director to clean out up the premier law enforcement agency in the world. I don't know why. Now we know. You know, we have a, a part of a report here is that we're looking at all these new developments And we now know that the newly released documents show that the FBI co-conspirator, if you will, um, Mr. Strzok himself personally tampered with the evidence against General Flynn. Um, And that is the Epic Times reporting that Strzok significantly changed an early draft of the official FBI report, better known as a 302, from its questioning of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn according to these new text messages that they have released. To this day, the FBI has not shown the early draft to General Flynn. That's part of the Brady material that Sidney Powell has been talking a lot about that we have not gotten. Anyway, now we have the old law firm of General Flynn. They still have not handed over information that is crucial to the Flynn case, more handed over today. And we also have the new developments from last week, 
And that is that this whole case was closed and that they all knew that Christopher Steele was corrupt and they still continued to do this on top of what we had already known, which is that nobody thought that Flynn was lying. He went bankrupt. He had to sell his house. They threatened to put his son in jail unless he said that he lied when they didn't think that he lied. Anyway, to this day, the FBI has not shown this early draft of this 302. Eyewitness said that the draft included exculpatory information, which was removed from the final version. As Sidney Powell has said on this program, the new text messages suggest an earlier version of the draft existed. Lisa, you didn't see it before my edits that uh, went into what I sent you. Uh, that was, let's see, February 10th, 2017 to Lisa Page. Uh, and then special counsel to the FBI's then Deputy Director McCabe, who told Flynn on, what, January 24th, 2017, he didn't need a lawyer before Comey sent them in, something he wouldn't do in a previous administration or get away with his own words. Anyway, Strzok said he was trying to not completely rewrite the document, so to save, quote, redacted voice. According to Powell, the Strzok and Page were editing the 302 and, and that's only one bit of new revelations. Now, also, it heightens the president's discontent with Director Ray, according to Axios. And a source there who discussed the FBI director repeatedly with the president said, well, the president does not trust him to change the culture. Well, I've been raising this question for a long time. And by the way, a lot of this in the Axios piece does cast doubt on Director Ray and, and why he's not moving expeditiously to clean up the premier law enforcement agency in the world. It makes no sense. And, uh, you know, I have this letter in front of me dated from today, and that raises a lot of questions as it relates to Director Ray. And I'd like to know why uh, he's not moving faster. It's from Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson. And uh, I have the entire letter in front of me, and since the president launched his campaign that this had all gone on, and he talks specifically about the perjury trap being left for General Flynn that we discussed, well, what's our, what's our goal here? Is it to get an admission or maybe to get him fired or a perjury trap? Like, I can't believe this. Anyway, he lays it out completely in this letter uh, to Director Ray, and I want to know what Director Ray's response is. Now, one last thing, and then we'll get to John Solomon. Uh, I now have a copy of a motion to leave a motion for leave to file notice of compliance with the court's April 28th, 2020 uh, order. Um, and that is for the former law firm of General Flint to hand over all the information they have and new information. Sidney Powell will be breaking tonight. Now, with all of that said, we still have to get to the issue of what John Solomon and others have been reporting. And more recently, uh, John Solomon has come out with a bunch of uh, columns about this and reports that uh, he put up on justthenews.com. And part of it is with Adam Schiff and his secret transcripts. Wall Street Journal also picking up on this. Uh, John Solomon, justthenews.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Sean. Good to be with you. All right. Everything we predicted and said and reported yeah. from early in in 2017 has now been proven true and it's worse than we thought and the only one seeming to get to the bottom of this is durham committed to getting to the bottom of it is durham and the attorney general bill barr yeah no there's no doubt and, I, and the, the fact that you don't mention chris ray in that group tells you why the president sounds to be dismayed I, dismayed what i'm hearing this is the most critical week in chris ray's future 
uh, he, his job may very well be in jeopardy based on what they're learning about the production of these documents, the inability to get to the bottom of these horrific acts that occurred inside the FBI, and uh, that this is going to be a critical week. I'd be watching the Justice Department, the FBI, very closely this week, uh, and particularly Ray's future. The letter that you just referenced from uh, Congressman Jordan is so dramatic because it really it lays out the frustrations that people who've watched this play out uh, have said. It basically says it flat out, it's long overdue for you to show leadership, meaning get to the bottom of this. When your own party, the party that <laughs> appointed you to the job, is saying you aren't showing leadership, your job is in jeopardy. And I would keep an eye on Chris Ray this week. Well, I want to see that. Now we have uh, Sidney Powell has just uh, tweeted out few, not that long ago that the old law firm has now released some new information, but there are 32 other pages of handwritten notes, 16 pages of documents with handwritten notations, in addition to the 17,500 new pages produced a week or so ago. Uh, this is Covington Burling, uh, the former right. law firm, saying anything uh, anything more would be too difficult, too expensive, and not required. Well, it's not up to them to decide. They should have handed all of this over originally. Yeah, they had a year, a year to do this. And just like the FBI, this slow trickle of relevant information just keeps coming out only because there's pressure legally and because of the pressure that the attorney general has put here. In addition to Chris Ray, the conduct of the special prosecutor's office is becoming more and more important. Keep in mind that some of these documents that were released last week had bait stamps on them saying that they came from the special counsel's office, which means Mueller knew about the evidence against Flynn, even as he was prosecuting him and trying to force him into a plea deal. So you've got a circle of people now whose conduct, Andrew Weissman, Bob Mueller, uh, Chris Ray, all who you know, came into this late, and, and now their conduct as part of the cover-up, as part of the effort to hide evidence from the American public, the courts, and Congress, they're now getting scrutinized in a way we haven't seen. Uh, all right. Let's go back to this letter. And OK, first they point out this is the letter by by Jim Jordan that I'm talking about. Right. They go back to April 29, 2020, the U.S. District Judge, judge unsealing the documents that uh, had been previously withheld from General Flynn and, and Sidney Powell and revealing that the FBI had apparently sought to set up a perjury trap for General Flynn. We now know that we saw the handwritten notes. Right. And they are devastating. And that then comes from their memorandum. Now, the reason I am told we even got this is because not because of the FBI director. He was aware of it. Is that true? And the reason that it got out is because of A.G. Barr. How much truth is in that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think uh, Durham Barr and Jensen, the, the two special prosecutors working for Attorney General Barr, really forced this revelation to the court and to the American public. It's obvious the FBI knew about this because this information appears to have been turned over to the special counsel's office based on the Bates note numbers that are at the bottom of the document. That means Chris Ray, Bob Mueller, Andrew Weissman, people like that knew they were sitting on this powder keg for the last couple of years, kept the American public, the Congress, uh, and uh, Flynn's defense lawyers in the dark about something that is absolutely material, absolutely goes to the question of innocence uh, 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 of General Flynn. And I think that that's why people are so concerned and why Chris Ray himself finds himself in the crosshairs this week. So we have what was striking is this January 4th uh, letter, yeah. FBI memorandum, that the Washington field office had found no derogatory information on General Flynn essentially clearing him. Now, this is 20 days before they went into his office. They That's cleared right. him of that he was a Russian agent, concluding that the FBI's investigation should be closed. 
Peter yeah. Strzok was like, can we keep this sucker open? And by the <laughs> way, talked about the seventh floor. That would be where the Comeys of the world were. That's and right. the documents suggest they ignored in the FBI protocol. And then they started asking questions about what their goal here was. Well, the goal should always be justice, John. That's what I always thought. Yeah, truth and justice. That's what it's always been in the Justice Department, but not, not recently. And I think in this case, you have this amazing continuum. People look at the evidence, decide there's no criminality, no counterintelligence threat. They want to close the case down. Leadership intervenes, stops him from doing that, then works up a plan to get him into an interview where they might catch him in a lie. Then they rewrite the document of that interview, right? We now have that evidence. And then they try to pursue a case of uh, uh, false statements against them, uh, even though uh, there was really no predicate to begin with. There, uh, there is no predicate the FBI had to continue investigating General Flynn after January 4th. It was contrived, and I think that's what makes people like Attorney General Barr and Sidney Powell so deeply concerned. This is a weaponization of law enforcement that I haven't seen very often in my career. It's, it's very, very troubling. Well, very troubling, but then beyond that, when you look at the timeline here, it gets worse. January 5th, remember, there was the meeting in the Oval. Obama was right. there, Biden was there, Comey was there, Rice was there, uh, Sally Yates was there, and they were discussing Russian interference. Remember, Susan Rice went in on, on the inauguration day of, of Donald Trump and, right. and talked about memo. this particular meeting. He, Obama said, do everything by the book two yeah. weeks earlier. Why would yep. she do that? Yeah, it's a very rare moment. And let's remember another very important thing. The Get General Flynn campaign can be traced to Barack Obama. How do we know that? President Trump has said in his last meeting with Obama before inauguration, Obama raised one foreign policy issue and Mike Flynn is the two things that the incoming president should be most concerned about. So Obama himself was on the don't uh, trust Mike Flynn campaign. And then you see the FBI uh, playing into this by, by overruling their case agents and trying to create a case against them when the evidence didn't justify it. One of the, the, the senior people in the Obama administration have escaped being asked questions, but it is now time for the Susan Rices and the Barack Obamas, the Joe Bidens of the world to answer what did they know about this effort to pursue Mike Flynn. So when we look at this timeline as laid out by Jim Jordan, and it goes through the entire process, including the day that they you know, did something to General Flynn that they wouldn't do in past administrations uh, or get away with. And then you put it together with the February text messages of Struck and Page about the edits to the memorandum. That would mean they're editing a 302? That's what it sure sounds like. Again, we, we have some gaps, including one, a, a potentially a missing document, a, a missing version of the 302. But the current belief of Sidney Powell is that what they were editing after the fact was the 302. And the concern is, were they editing it to make it look worse, to make it look like Flynn lied, so they had that leverage to pursue that false statement uh, charge? To get to the bottom of that, you need to see the rest of the evidence. And I assume that's what John Durham has. That's why we have these notes from Bill Priestap that are so illuminating. But the real question here, the real concern is, were they editing the document to create well, a false case? They ended this letter with six specific questions for Director Ray. Right. Now, right. I'm just wondering why, why this has not been answered before. Why Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson needed to send this letter. That bothers me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Sorry, I'm just I'm just asking innocent questions. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And and it's the same concern they have. Why is it three years later? None of this happened on Chris Ray's watch. And that's the amazing thing here. He had an opportunity to come in, get the facts, get everything right, and put the FBI in a new course. And instead, he's allowed this slow trickle of information to not only allow the scandal to persist, but to withhold from Congress and from the courts information they rightfully deserve to have. And um, well, I, I think Chris Ray's tenure is in grave, grave danger. Why is Adam Schiff allowed to sit on declassified interviews in the collusion probe? And we now know Adam Schiff lied to the American people, and he knew better. Is that a true statement? uh, It is a fair statement. Here's what I did. I have gone through all of his statements in 2017 and 2018 and compared them with the now declassified evidence. And I, from things he read into the congressional record in a, a full uh, room of uh, reporters and, and American public, to statements he made on television, to reports he wrote to counter Devin Nunez, I go and say, well, here is what Adam Schiff said, and here's what the facts turned out to be. And in many cases, the FBI already knew, let's just take the most famous one, Adam Schiff read into the record in March of 2017, key parts of the Steele dossier. The very parts that we now know the FBI determined were Russian disinformation, most likely disseminated by Russian intelligence services. That means that Adam Schiff used the floor of Congress to read into a public record a dossier that the FBI had determined was Russian disinformation. I go through, and in tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow morning on Just the News, we'll go through all of the dozen most serious examples of, of disparity between what Schiff said and what the facts actually showed. But he is one of the biggest losers of declassification. The more information that gets declassified, the more we see that Adam Schiff's public statements in 2017 and 2018 were factually wrong. Look forward to that uh, report tomorrow. John Solomon has never wavered. He's been on it, never took his foot off the gas since early in 2017. And everything he's reported and we've reported have been has now been proven correct, uh, sad, but true. And the attorney general seems as committed as anybody to justice here. And I think we're getting close now. Hi, News Roundup and Information Overload, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Um, So we have now, we now know that General Flynn was set up. We know that exculpatory evidence, in fact, was withheld. Um, Comey is bragging on tape what he did on the fourth day of the Trump administration. I sent them in. And this was after Andrew McCabe was asked by General Flynn, well, do I need a lawyer? Oh, no, no, you don't need a lawyer. But he sent them into the office, something he wouldn't do or get away with in a Bush administration or Obama administration, or would he even try? Taking advantage of the chaos, um, purposely going around the White House Council and the proper process and procedures that are in place. Because that's the type of great, honorable guy that Jim Comey is and the way he would treat a 33-year vet. Now we also know that Roger Stone, the jury foreperson in his case, this is after a whole series of horrible things happened with Stone, first starting with the 29 men in tactical gear, frogmen, and CNN cameras tipped off, uh, pre-dawn raid at his house for a process crime of lying to Congress. That's basically what it comes down to. And anyway, we now find out that the jury four person in his case had written publicly on social media how much she hates Roger Stone and Trump supporters, what she thinks of Trump supporters, racist, whatever it was. And so does he get a new trial of a fair and impartial jury? Nope. No. Now he's got to fight for his rights. He's gone bankrupt. General Flynn went bankrupt. 
General Flynn, even the agent, struck. And now we know that they altered the 302s, according to these new reports. We'll get answers hopefully sooner than later. Um, a lot of bad things went on here. The same thing happened to George Papadopoulos. Now, remember, he'd written a book a while ago, Deep State Target, how I got caught in the crosshairs of the plot to bring down President Trump. In his particular case, well, there was actually exculpatory evidence of him saying Russia. What are you talking about? Nobody here is talking to Russia. And we had a declassified transcript of the FBI, Comey FBI probe, uh, reviewed and now reported on by numerous outlets showing a recorded conversation uh, between Papadopoulos and the Bureau's confidential human source turned up no evidence of any coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia. 90-page, lightly redacted transcript uh, between Papadopoulos, who's identified code name. remember, General Flynn is Crossfire Razor, uh, George Papado- uh, Papadopoulos is Crossfire Typhoon, all under the umbrella Crossfire Hurricane, or CT for Crossfire Tycoon, and the Bureau's Confidential Human Source, um, or CHS, and Papadopoulos does boast about setting up a meeting with the president of Egypt and Trump, according to the transcript, says he had made a lot of cool connections, and I'm going to see what's going to happen after the election. Okay, that would be his job. Uh, George Papadopoulos and his wife, Simona, are on with us now. Um, I remember, maybe I gave you wrong advice. I think I stand by my advice. You were in my radio studio, and you were questioning whether you were going to fulfill the two-week sentence you got at the time and you were thinking about withdrawing your plea which would have been expensive number one and number two we don't know what the outcome would have been and at that time knowing how awful some of these people were i did not want you to risk a two-year a two-week sentence becoming a two-year or longer sentence and i said just suck it up for the two weeks if you want my friendly advice was i right or wrong welcome back george and simona Hi, Hi Tom. Thanks for, for having us. Look, uh, at that time, we didn't have any clue of how deep, deep, deeply corrupted and premeditated this operation was against the Donald Trump campaign and even the administration. We didn't have the exculpatory evidence that we have now. We didn't know that there were at least six confidential human sources targeting me from three different countries and even in the United States. And we didn't know that Comey was sending his agents directly to the White House, like they did against General Flynn, with the sole intention to set him up to weaponize him against the Trump administration to help overthrow the Trump presidency. That's what they did to me. <clears throat> That's what they did to General Flynn with the, the evidence we now have. They tried doing it with Roger Stone and others. And at that point, I think you're absolutely right. It was probably the best decision, even if I was set up, because it actually allowed myself and my wife, Simona, to go public with the story because I had no longer a gag order on me the way General Flynn has had for the last two years. And I'm sure when he's able to finally speak, he's going to have quite a story to tell, and it might actually result in new evidence that might uh, help Durham's investigation, just like my story and evidence has helped Durham's uh, probe evolve in the way it has. Who was the person that you were talking to with those exculpatory statements? Do you feel comfortable revealing that or talking about it? Uh, So it looks like it was a couple. There were a couple 
confidential human Professor Misford, Stefan Halper, maybe. Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure, but it seems to be two uh, younger people that I knew um, from when I used to, when I grew up in uh, Chicago, and it looks like it were there were two people that I uh, went to school with when I was 18 or 19 years old, and I hadn't seen in about 10 years. I think it's them. I don't know 100% sure, and as soon as I am 100% sure, I am uh, going to uh, release those names. But until that moment, I'm not mm-hmm. confident, confident, but they were definitely two people that I knew, if, according to the transcripts, and that's actually even more damning, in my opinion, for the FBI's case or whoever were running these people at me and others, because they were people that I would have seemingly trusted. Yet on the transcript, I was telling even these two people who I seemingly trusted, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, and this is all, you know, just uh, stupidity. You know, whenever but you were quoted, Russia. if I'm not mistaken, saying specifically Russia. What are you talking about, Russia? Nobody's talking to Russia. Did you say that? Absolutely. And Sean, to this day, I've never met a Russian official in my life. I've never traveled to Russia. And my entire career was uh, had, had everything to do with undermining Russia's influence around the world from my time at, in Washington, D.C., or advising the Ben Carson or Donald Trump campaign. So how I got involved in a, in a Russia conspiracy, along with my wife, who actually also got sucked up into this, uh, you, it was a completely fabricated scenario and that's exactly why I truly believe uh, the NBC report that recently came out that said that uh, most of the Durham probe is about the accusations that I have made against these various uh, informants or operatives or or even friendly governments that you have mentioned on your show numerous times, including the UK, Australia, Ukraine. And that's what Durham is really looking into is to find out who manufactured this fake conspiracy, and that's exactly what this was. It was a premeditated operation, and it's uh, and, and I believe it actually reaches the threshold of a conspiracy. And if uh, certain... Uh, no, this, this was an attempted coup. Yeah. Let me, I'll say it yeah, for absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, let me ask, so exactly I read in the paper um, that they quoted, Simone, I'll go to you on this question. Um, yes. You on Twitter, and I remember... Asking Linda, I said, did you see this? She said, yeah, I saw it. I said, I, wa- I wanted to reach out to both of you guys because I kind of know from my job over the years that when people are thrust out of anonymity into this shift show that is the public eye, it's often very stressful and very difficult. And most people can't handle it, to be very blunt. And you were with George the whole time and you guys were as tight as can be. And his entire prison sentence, you basically were in jail with him because you were there every day. And I've gotten to know both of you and your story together as a couple is amazing to me. And I know people always, you. you know, and these false pieces that you're a Russian agent and, you know, you have an accent, but you're from Italy. You're not from Russia, Probably. Um, Probably. which is Thank ridiculous. <laughs> but then that you were making accusations of against George. And I'm reading this and I'm saying, I wonder if the stress of this whole thing, what uh, happened? I was asking questions uh, and then it didn't happen, uh, did it? No, Sean, thanks so much, first of all, for giving me the opportunity to clarify this uh, terrible, terrible uh, piece of fake news. Uh, because uh, since the very first moment I came on TV on Fox News, where you gave me the opportunity to advocate for the innocence of my husband uh, back on July 2018, I became myself the target of the fake news, the liberal medias, uh, who I believe they're working uh, 
on a payroll with the trolls uh, to fabricate things that are not existing. So I would like to uh, invite all the listeners to uh, check on uh, different five Simona Mangiante burner accounts that look like exactly like me. They copy exactly the same tweet. Uh, they actually now, they are just a mirror. Let me let me explain what you're saying. Here. So the person was somehow able to set up your Twitter account. But it, yeah. I thought it was the same. Did it have a slight difference? And if I remember, it had a blue check on it. Did it not? No, they, they, that's the point. They didn't have a blue check. And I have a screenshot of this account where it's a Simona Mangiante tweet. And yours no. does have a blue check mark, meaning you, you're that person. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. So uh, the real sad part of it is that uh, uh, these are people, and I still believe they're paid for, uh, massively uh, undermine my credibility and uh, uh, trying to uh, mischaracterize me as somebody I'm not from the Russian agent to the abused wife, right, which is nothing farther than the truth. And of course, uh, uh, you know, every single couple we have disagreements, but uh, this is absolutely nothing to do with what you read on the news. So you never and put you, you never put those tweets up that people were reading about ever. No, no. And that was that, a different separate account thing. that somebody else had set up. And I can prove it. And I, I was actually sending screenshots. And I said also, I apologize for the misunderstanding. You know, how are like, they, how are they able to take your whole identity over like that? That's ridiculous. Well, that, I think these are hackers and they're professional ones. And well, uh, Okay, wait a minute. There, I've been through this myself. About, okay, I get it. It's not only about George. There are many infaming things about me. And it's, uh, it's really getting to the point in which I had to hire a lawyer. Uh, his name is John mm. Mullen. <laughs> That is looking into that and opening an investigation right. with the police. Let to, me ask uh, you both this, because you both have been wronged. Here's the question. Will you identify those that set you up and will you go after them and will you sue them? And are you seeking uh, this case be vacated, George? Um, thank, that's our, thanks for that question, Sean. Um, so there's an ongoing criminal a huge criminal investigation actually looking into how I was set up. As I explained earlier, NBC has reported that a, a big chunk of what Durham is looking into are allegations that I was essentially spied on and uh, set up and uh, essentially weaponized against President Trump to the to an extent that almost resulted, as, as you mentioned, in a silent coup against uh, the president. And we were at the precipice in many ways a couple of years ago, but thank God that uh, things turned out exactly the way they should have. And I'm waiting for, because I don't think Horowitz had the, the whole story. He, he didn't report the facts, and uh, even Durham and Attorney General Barr came out the day that Horowitz uh, presented his report and said, we don't agree with a lot of the key conclusions. So I'm waiting patiently, just like probably millions of Americans around uh, the country are, for the Durham report to finalize. Oh, well, it's not going to be a report, according to the statements of the attorney general. He said this is no a real criminal investigation and he's hiring more people Um, only because of the constraints of time. I'm really glad to hear that. You're both wonderful people. And I'm sorry all this has happened for you. You were you were set up. You were set up and it happened in the United States and all the evidence happened to anybody. No, no, not a president, not a candidate, not Carter Page. Um, no. not General Flynn, not Roger Stone, not Manafort. Nobody, nobody should have had this happen. Pre-dawn raids in the Manafort case, too. But uh, thank you both for being with us. I'm glad everything's okay. That's good news. That's great news, actually. 
Um, hey, want to remind you. I'm so happy you gave us an opportunity to just uh, say the truth because uh, you're welcome. I, there are still articles no, it's painful. Out there that I, there is no way to object them. Like when I Google my name, I see somebody I can't barely recognize. There is, I always say that George wrote a book, Deep Sea Target. I should write a book of fake news target. I, I got to run though, but Simona, listen, we're all praying for you guys. We're going to keep you updated. I pro- you keep us updated. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Now, uh, we do have Mother's Day, and Mother's Day is this Sunday. Now, I have been working on a project because I view this moment as a tipping point for the country. I really do. And um, so I'm very proud of some work I've been doing, and it is very simple, is that I've announced for the first time in 10 years I am still writing it. Spent most of the weekend because I want this thing to be as up to date, up to speed as possible. Uh, And I've been writing a book and it's live free or die America and the world on the brink. And I had had some disagreements, little minor disagreements with the publisher uh, about what to call it. I was going to call it live free or America dies. And well, they kind of won. So I put it in Latin on the bottom. So nobody, I guess, would understand it. But in small letters, I'm live free or America dies. And it's now. Um, available on Hannity.com if you want to see the cover. And it has an American flag torn and tattered and burnt, and that's where we are. We are a divided country. And what is at stake in 183 days is everything. Now, it's either going to be the policies of appeasement, Iran, nuclear deal, think that, or bribing dictators like Kim Jong-il, this is going to be a safer place. didn't work. It's going to be the end of capitalism or as we know it, or we're going to embrace the policies that prior to Corona led us to the greatest economic job creating expansion with the the most diverse expansion and job creation in our history. Um, We're either going to open up this country safely or we're not. There are some people that would keep this thing shut down forever. Now, we've had battles, conflicts with the opposition party, but there'd always been some level of reasonableness among some. Scoop Jackson, Democrats, as we say, or even a Joe Lieberman Democrat, is they're extinct. This is a radical, extreme Democrat socialist party. They have done nothing for three years but try to undermine a duly elected president. And they brought this country to the brink of impeachment. Lying, slanders, smears, conspiracy theories, hoaxes, that's who they are. If you add to that what we now have, you know, it's the deep state, social justice warriors, compromised institutions, a mob in the media that is their willing accomplices. I wanted to lay out exactly what it is that people can absorb quietly, share with all their liberal friends and family what this election's about in a hundred and 83 days we're going to either we're going to live free and that would mean that the future of american freedom and capitalism and our way of life rests on donald trump's reelection that's it or you're going to embrace full blown socialism that never works that to a point where we will never be able to recover economic dysfunction that goes along with it the social strife That goes along with it. The promises they're making, they can never keep. Hence, keep your doctor plan and save money. This is nothing. Want to talk about a new green deal? We're going to get rid of the lifeblood of our economy, oil, the world's economy, oil and gas. 
Socialized medicine will be your future. Absolutely. Not even. You want to talk about, oh, well, first we'll deliver the baby and then we'll make the baby comfortable and then the doctor and the mother can decide. Okay. You know, whether any care will be given to the, the child that is born, um, which would be infanticide. That's how extreme this party has gotten. Open borders, that'll be America's future. Travel bans, they'd never do that. Want to talk about the best decision on Corona? It was the travel ban, subsequent travel bans, quarantines we hadn't used in 50 years. Want to talk about a party that, let's see, wants total, complete confiscation and redistribution and state takeover of industry, the definition of socialism, that's them. Packing the Supreme Court, ending free speech. This country will be transformed beyond recognition. People like me will have to leave. Let's put it that way. They're not New Yorkers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so anyway, we put it, and I'm very proud of it, and we had to delay the release, but we're guaranteeing for mom, if you go to Hannity.com, we have a bound edition, first edition copy of the book that will be given to your mom upon the release of the book, first week. Um, and it'll be identified as first edition, beautiful bound copies, and also... But for Mother's Day, we set it up. You give her a gift certificate that she's going to get this the first week. And it's a really beautiful gift certificate. Anyway, so I'm proud of it. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it now. But with Mother's Day uh, coming, I, I think it might be a different, unique, special gift that you can give your mom uh, this Mother's Day or maybe other people in your life. Uh, I've never been more proud of any work that I've done in terms of writing a book. And I, I've, I like the books that I've written. The last book I wrote, I gave all after expenses, every other penny away to charity. I don't do this for money. It's not why I do it. I felt like the moment needed this. And Sean, just let's remind yep. the audience. I mean, I know you're, you're, you know, you're humble about this, but this is a really beautiful box set. It's commemorative. It's really nice. Yeah. You know, they you did get a great to, job. You know, they really did. They, they, you print it out. You get this really nice card. You customize it for your mother. You give it to her on Mother's Day, and then you know. By August, the way, I'm giving one to your mom. Does she know thank yet? Thank you. I yeah, your mom it. can have one. Well, but she was seriously. Like, like it's she beautiful. wasn't going to get one. What? No, of course I'm going to buy your book for my mother. But if you're going to get uh, okay, one, okay, you're not means, buying it. That's my yeah. gift to your mother. Jeez. Jeez. So, anyways, but all that to say, guys, gals, everybody out there, for someone special on Mother's Day, it's a really, really nice gift, and you can get the gift certificate online right now. You print it out, you give it to them this Sunday, and it's just perfect. It's a really nice gift, and it's you know, in addition to flowers and chocolates, whatever else you're going to do, it's a really, really nice commemorative set. Uh, yeah, and I'm proud of it. Uh, anyway, there's a lot on the line. I know we're busy. We've got all these other topics. Um, speaking of presidential politics, there is um, online now. I'm trying to pull this up here. All right. So apparently Gateway Pundit is saying, I've not been able to confirm this on my own, that there's a movement to convince Michelle Obama to join Biden as his running mate. And have we been able to confirm, Linda, whether the FCEC has been registered a committee, the committee to draft Michelle Obama. There's a lot of chatter out there about this, yeah. but uh, I don't think that this is a real thing. Okay. That, that's all I wanted to know. I didn't get a chance to ask you offline. Um, all right. We'll watch and we'll see how that goes. All right. Now we got the whole Joe Biden thing. Now, there are just certain things that, you know, we've now pretty much established Joe doesn't have a fastball. Uh, if he ever had a curve, that's gone. And if he ever did a change up slow pitch, well, it's slower than ever. All right, pretty well established. Super Thursday. What day is today? And I think the scariest moment was him doing one of his dysfunctional basement 
uh, talks about coronavirus and holding his phone in front of his face, forgetting he's on camera and walking off camera. That was scary. Um, Very scary. Now he's actually saying and suggesting over 600,000 Americans have died from coronavirus since February. Listen to this. They are going to face it. A lot of people are going to face it. Look, Joe, over 600,000 dead. Many of them are people who are those 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 workers, those nurses, the doctors, some of them, because they have put themselves in a position to save other people's lives, protect the rest of society. And we talk about that number like 600 plus thousand people. There's each and every one of them. 60,000. Yeah, 60,000. 60. I missed it. 60,000, over 60,000 deaths. And we talk about them like they are a number. Every one of them left behind a family. Every one of them left behind friends, left behind. This is one at a time. Ah, 600,000. Joe, you're beginning to scare everybody. Now, um, of course, Joe was out. I thought Mika Brzezinski actually did a pretty good job in that interview uh, with Joe and asked him some tough questions. Um, and I thought that in particular, Joe Biden, his answer about searching Tara Reid's name in the University of Delaware documents was just a bad answer. Listen, why not approve a search of her name in those records? Approve a search of her name. Yes, and reveal uh, anything not, that might be related to Tara Reid in the University of Delaware records. There is nothing. They wouldn't. They're, they're not there. And if they, had, if it's, I, 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 you know, I don't understand what you're, the point you're trying to make. Nothing classified How with you, the president or anybody else. I'm just asking, why not do a search for Tara Reid's name in the University of Delaware records? Look, I mean, who 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 does that search? Who does that search? That would be the people in Delaware. Your staff has already been there, Joe. We already established that in 2019. Pretty unbelievable. Why would you oppose that? You want to be transparent or not be transparent? Can I make a quick point? Can I interject for one second? Do you mind? Yeah, but go ahead. Okay. So there was something on Twitter today I thought was very interesting, and they were talking about when Judge Kavanaugh was being, you know, completely uh, persecuted in, in front of that, you know, circus that we saw. And how his high school records were brought up. And it's like, this is a man who was in the Senate and we can't even look at the records from that, but we can look at Judge Kavanaugh's records from high school. It's complete. I mean, there's such a double standard. Of course there's a double standard. Now, speaking of double standards, let's go back. Let's listen to Joe Biden's comments on women's rights and sexual assault. We got them too. The woman should be given the benefit of the doubt and not be not be, uh, um, you know, uh, abused again by the system. So why do you think women who get raped so many don't report it? They don't want to get raped again by the system. It's all about the abuse of power. Number one. Number two, women should be believed. No one, no man has a right to lay a hand on a woman, no matter what she's wearing, what she does who she is unless you can affirmatively give consent it's rape unless you affirmatively can say anybody engaged in that behavior is committing a crime so much has changed about how the public understands the pressure on women and i've learned a lot as well too yeah there you go Anyway, uh, a little bit different than what Team Biden is doing to Tara Reid, wouldn't you say? Now, speaking of other Democrats, I keep asking, where are all the I believers? 
put a little montage together. We ran it on Hannity Friday night, but it, it makes its point. It works on audio. Let's play it. I believe Dr. Ford, and to me, Judge Kavanaugh has shown, shown so clearly he does not have the temperament or credibility to serve on the Supreme Court. The, the crickets are for now. showed was remarkable. Dr. Ford's testimony was credible and compelling. I yep. believe Dr. Ford. On read crickets. Not only do women like Dr. Ford, who bravely comes forward, need to be heard, but they need to be believed. Mm-hmm. Nothing on read. I believe Dr. Ford. I believe the survivor here. There's every reason to believe her. I believe Professor Ford. I think she's credible. That is your modern Democratic Party. They take on breathtaking hypocrisy, just like quid and pro and quo and Joe and zero experience hunter. And you're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son. They'll protect just like they protected Hillary, just like they were so upset about Russia collusion. Well, she paid for a dirty Russian dossier crickets, just like they believe in. We got to go after those that obstruct justice. Well, what about those that delete subpoenaed emails? Crickets. It's breathtaking hypocrisy. This is who they are. This is what they do. And it's sad. You know, it's, um, I look, uh, it is frightening to me. A frightening scenario. And I'm, this is not hyperbole. You know, that this guy could get elected. And the biggest contributor to Joe Biden, assuming it's him, will be the mob in the media. And they took, you know, DNC chair Tom Perez comparing Biden assault allegations to Hillary's email. Like, huh? What? The University of Delaware and any university that takes somebody's uh, uh, documents, they're taking their policy documents. They're taking their speeches. They're not taking their personnel records. And in fact, but but why not just search uh, terror read in those documents? This is like the uh, Hillary emails because there was nothing there. And the reason is, if, if I'm going, I worked, I worked on the Senate Judiciary Committee in 1995. The ranking member was Joe Biden. If you want, I wasn't working for Joe Biden. I was working for Senator Kennedy. If you want to see my uh, personnel records, you don't go to the Kennedy Institute. That's not where they go. And so when you ask the University of Delaware to take a look at something, you're asking them to look for something that doesn't exist. Breathtaking hypocrisy. This is who they are. Oh, and Governor Whitmer, Whitmer did a horrible job in Wisconsin. Yeah, she was asked about this. And, you know, I'm believing Biden, but not Kavanaugh. Well, not every sexual assault claim is equal. That's what she said. That is absolutely what she said. Unbelievable. Except the only difference is Tara Reid actually had, well, real corroborating witnesses, uh, including her mom's call to Larry King. Real-time witnesses and neighbors and others. Washington Post, Biden's accuser gets corroboration, Republicans pounce. They only really seem to believe they are they're the I believer clubs only if uh, you're going after conservatives. Or Republican or want to bludgeon Trump. Everybody else gets a pass. That's the mob, the biggest contributors to the Democratic radical socialist that would destroy the country if they ever do their new Green Deal madness. Man, time flies when you're having fun. All right, tonight, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel, Judge Janine. Oh, you're going to meet the Trump boat wall guy. Oh, you're going to love this story. Also, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee, Tammy Bruce, Sidney Powell, 
Uh, Sydney with new developments today, and they're big as it relates to General Flynn, Trey Gowdy, Dan Bongino, much, much more. And so we'll have those developments with Sydney. We'll have the battle to open up America. Wait till you see the pictures out of Boston, a huge rally there. Um, and the latest on coronavirus and the deep state. And yes, Tara Reid and Biden. Thanks. For, we'll see you tonight at nine. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.